You guys are awesome. I am so proud of you. Uh, We're daylight saving, skipping forward in the spring like we do spring break for many. I was expecting all of three people to be here at church and two of those being some of my kids. I'm amazed. Way to go. Give yourself a little hand for being to the early service on spring forward Sunday. Uh, Way to go. If you are on our church uh, email newsletter, yesterday I sent out an email talking about the coronavirus and how that affects us as a church and as disciples of Jesus. And I want to reference that for a few minutes right now. Um, So if you haven't been watching the news, uh, just to fill you in, there is a flu-like virus that is wreaking havoc in a number of the major cities of the world. And uh, it's believed North Texas city health officials believe eventually that virus will come to, you know, the North Texas area. And so I want to speak to you about it for a moment, not out of fear or anxiety as followers of Jesus. That's not our motivation, but out of love and wisdom. What does it look like for us as the people of God in this time related to the coronavirus? And I detailed some practical things that we're doing in the email yesterday, but I just want to speak to everyone Uh, We have an opportunity, I believe, as the people of Jesus to shine his light bright, even in the midst of dark and uncertain times. And that's our chief goal and our motivation. And so in just a moment, we're going to take time to pray for those affected by the virus, those working with the virus, for God's kingdom purposes to come to pass. Because prayer is always something we can respond with when we're faced with darkness or uncertainty. And we also want to be wise in how we love one another well, and so just like we normally have kind of uh, community guidelines for if you are sick or you were recently sick or your kid was recently sick, we ask that you abstain from coming that Sunday or from life group that week until you're better just so that we don't uh, pass on the germs. Sharing in this case is not caring uh, as it is elsewhere. Um, and at the same time, I want you to know that if you uh, do become sick, whether it's with this or something else, I want you to let your life group leader know so that we can rally around one another when we're ill, when things are not going well. That's part of what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. And we can't love you well if we don't know what's going on. So if you're sick, I'm saying, hey, don't don't come and cough on all of us. And at the same time, let someone know so we can practically help you and care for you and love you or your loved ones or whatever's going on, whether it's coronavirus or the flu or something else. That's just a general admonition. Uh, The last thing that I wanted to say is, as a community, I want to encourage us and challenge us not to, in this time, think about, man, how can I just go in my basement and hide and be okay. I want us to think about how can we love Jesus and how can we love people well in this time. And so as a church, we're going to be looking for ways to love people uh, if the coronavirus comes to the North Texas area, where we can be active in loving, active in serving, and use wisdom while we do that. The people of Jesus, we actually have a long history in the face of illness of loving well, and that's what we want uh, to do. And if you want to stay updated, if we are ever going to maybe cancel a service or something like that, um, I want to make sure that you're on the email newsletter because that's going to be the primary place where we communicate those details. That has not been a plan or something that we are thinking about right now. I'm just talking about 
if in the event something does happen and the city health officials ask us to not do public gatherings, I want you to be in the know, okay? And so get on that newsletter list. If you get sick now or later, just let your life group leader know so we can rally around one another and let's be looking together for ways we can love not just the people within our church, but the people within our city uh, in the face of sickness, darkness, and uncertainty. Does that sound good? Okay, I want you to join with me in prayer uh, for a few minutes as we pray over this because we believe that prayer is powerful. And again, this is something we can always respond with intercession. When the people of God pray, uh, powerful things happen. So if you'd bow your heads with me, uh, Jesus, we just declare that you are a good, wise, and loving king that you are a healer, you are a God of the breakthrough, Lord. And we lift up every person around the world, whatever country they're in, that has been affected by the coronavirus, Lord, that's been touched by it, or one of their family members, or their business has been impacted by it, or their school has been impacted by it, Lord. And we are praying right now for your supernatural peace, provision, and healing in Jesus' name. We're praying that in this time of darkness and uncertainty, people would have radical encounters with the living God, where their eyes would be open to the goodness of the gospel, Lord, that people would come to faith and put their trust in you, Lord. I'm asking that your church would rise up in the power of the Holy Spirit, that we'd walk in our calling to love people, Lord, to love them with your love, Lord, that we wouldn't run run from things, Lord, but we would look for with wisdom and love how to represent you and be your ambassadors in the midst of darkness and uncertainty, Lord. God, we are looking to you and putting our trust in you as a community. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Okay, Uh, like Joe said, we are starting a new teaching series today called Practicing the Power. And what this series is about as a church, we've been learning over the last couple years about spiritual gifts, these gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to the people of God. When you become a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes in you and he gives you gifts, talents, strengths, manifestations of the Spirit's power and presence and goodness and love. And we've been learning about those in the fall of 2018 We did an entire teaching series where we went through a number of key biblical passages on spiritual gifts just to help us learn a vocabulary around the gifts or the things of the Spirit. Uh, And I want to follow that up here in these coming weeks, not talking about what the gifts are, but talking about how do we practice them. The Holy Spirit gives us the power of God. Jesus said the Holy Spirit will come upon you and give you power to be my witnesses. So how do we as the church practice the power? How do we take and use our spiritual gifts in such a way that it brings God glory, that it brings good to others, and it brings joy to us? Because when the gifts are used well, when the church uses the gifts of the Holy Spirit and practices the power in healthy ways, those are the three things that happen. And I've been so encouraged to see the way that so many of you are walking out in the gifts of the Spirit. You know that this year as a church, we've been on a focus of how we can identify our gifts, invest them in serving, and to do that alongside other believers on mission for our city. And I've just been hearing story after story of the gifts of the Holy Spirit in action, bringing breakthrough, bringing awareness of God's presence, power, and his love. And I want to tell you a few of those stories. First, in the area of bringing glory to God, 
right? We, we care about God getting glory because Jesus is our greatest treasure. We talked about that in the Hosting His Presence series, that Jesus is the most valuable thing that there is. And as his followers, we love him more than anything else. So him getting the worship of which he's worthy, that's really important to us. And when the gifts are used well, when the, pra- the power is practiced well, it brings God glory. And I saw that this week in our discipleship school. Um, we were sharing some testimonies of how God had been moving in different people's lives within the class. And a student said, well, uh, a couple weeks ago, I actually had something really remarkable happen here in the class. She said that another student came up to her, and uh, the background was the, the student who's telling the testimony uh, has a really meaningful and important job, like where it really makes a difference in people's lives. But she felt like she was in a rut at work, that her motivation was low, that it was kind of like, man, I'm just trudging through. I don't know if any of us can ever relate to that at your jobs. I'm sure we all can, actually. You know, so she was right there and had just kind of been in a rut. Well, another student who didn't know the situation at all, in the worship time, since the Lord put something on her heart, put, put an image on her heart, a scripture on her heart for this other student. So she went to share it, a prophetic word. And she shared it with her, and this is so crazy. The scripture was so important to the student giving the testimony. It was like one of those that she's come back to over and over and over again. And in it, it contained the name of the company that she works for, the specific name of the company. Wow, right? Wow. Student A, who's giving that word, doesn't know. Student B doesn't know that that's the the connection or that it's significant. But student B, her response was, this was so amazing because it made me feel so seen by God. It made me feel so cared for by God. It just, wow, it was like, God, you see right where I'm at. And she described it bumped her out of this kind of rut that she'd been in at work and gave her fresh passion for her job. That's awesome. So do you hear what happened? Someone stepped out in the gifts, and the result was someone said, wow, I feel so seen by God. I feel so loved by God. This is amazing. Worship went up to God in a fresh way when the gifts are used and practiced in power the right way. Second thing that happens is it brings help to people, right? When the gifts are used rightly, what it does is it practically helps people because spiritual gifts bring practical awareness of God's love, power, and presence. So as we've been going in this um, uh, practice the, or the prepare the feast initiative, been having different people kind of reach out and say, hey, God's put this on my life, a passion for this, a gifting in this area. I want to use it to, to serve. And a few different people came to us saying that the Lord had really met with them in a powerful way, helping them get free of a sexual addiction. And they said, this had been something that had been in our lives that we couldn't get free of. And God broke through and God healed us and he's brought us to a place of wholeness in such a way that they're walking in purity, their families are blessed, they're able to engage in a different level. And they're saying, we want to help other people experience that same thing. So we'd like to take what God has done in us and we'd like to offer that if there's anybody else in our church who is in that same spot, who is stuck in a sexual addiction and wants to get free And we like to take away that the Lord has met with us and walk with them to help them walk in freedom. Now, if you are sitting here today and you're in a sexual addiction, right, 
and you hear that opportunity, and you say, I want to be a part of that, right? And you go through it, and you get free. You find freedom, right? That's practical help. You're going to be so excited. You're going to be like, man, I'm walking in the freedom that God has for me, right? And it comes out of people taking their gifts where the Lord has met with them and said, I want to use those to serve others. And it brings practical help, brings good to others. And if that's you, I just want to put the interest meeting for this deal. It's kind of a special kind of life group that we're going to do. If you can put the Pure Desire uh, slide up. So if you're here, just if you're here and you have a sexual addiction and you're a male, I want to encourage you, go check this out, okay? Because God wants to work in your life and wants to bring freedom and breakthrough for you. And we as the church, we want to walk with you and help you experience that freedom and that breakthrough so that the legacy you leave is very different from where you are right now, okay? So spiritual gifts, practice the power in the right way, brings glory to God, it brings good to others, and it brings joy to us. I was talking with an individual recently who has a gift in the area of evangelism. And he was sharing with me some things that he had been doing with a few different people, ways that he and some other people from our church have been reaching out, have been loving and sharing Jesus and how God was breaking through in the lives of some of the people they'd been reaching out to. And the person's response, the person with the, with the gift was like, Zach, I was just tearing up as I saw this unfold. It was so amazing to see how God was at work, right? God is amazing. And it's amazing the way that God works in us. And we praise him for that. But there's a dynamic when you see God work through you in the lives of others that it brings an amazement and an awe and a humility and a just, God, you are absolutely awesome. And that's what happens when the gifts are practiced the right way, when they're put into place. And so that's what we're going to be learning about. And I want to tell you a story to get us started. Now, by way of disclaimer, uh, many of you know I used to be a school teacher. And I went to a private school growing up. Any private school kids in here? Okay, we got a few. Right At the private school, I went to what was normal, and what you were supposed to do was to sit there, to be quiet, to let the teacher talk, and to take your notes to be ready for whatever you were trying to prepare for. That's what was normal. When I went into, I taught at-risk kids in a middle school environment. When I went into that environment, there was a different learning culture than where I went to school, if you understand what I'm saying. So in the class that I went into, one, math is hard. Two, middle school is hard. Three, uh, these were kids who could no longer stay with their families for various reasons, and they were having to be in a group home, so they'd had challenging lives. So they didn't have a lot of patience for concepts that they didn't get. So as a teacher, right, you have all the, the just everyone coming in with everything going on that goes on within you in middle school. You have math, and you have frustration with life. So there was just a whole lot of feedback that was given. Let's put it that way. If they like something, they let me know. If they didn't like something, they let me know. I actually got death threats while I worked there. Uh, so it was an interactive environment. <laughs> Here's what I want to ask for you. I actually enjoyed the interactive environment a lot more than the sit there, be quiet, take notes. I don't want you to give me death threats. But I do want you to go middle school today. Little interaction is going to help all of us as we go through this. 
particularly when we've lost an hour last night. So we're all going to have more fun. So feel free to amen. That's right. Preach it. Uh, don't tell me you're going to kill me. Uh, that we'll, we'll save that for later. Okay, 1 Peter 4.10 is where we're going to be. But i got to tell you this amazing story first. Uh, I saw recently, I don't know if any of you guys have ever had a storage unit. Uh, we have a whole storage complex over here. Who here's had a storage unit before? Okay, we got a few, right? You, you rent these temporarily, or most of us rent them temporarily to put stuff in that we don't know what to do with. Maybe when you're moving or you've got some transition in your life, when the church, when we were moving into this building, we had a storage unit over there with stuff. We're like, we're not quite sure where this goes. And sometimes uh, people stop paying on their storage units. I know that would be a great surprise to you. And so the owners of the storage units are left with these units with stuff still in them, right, and no one paying for it. And so what they do is they auction off the materials, and there are TV shows about this, where they auction the storage unit. And they open it up, and you look inside for like 20 seconds. You can't go in and examine things, and then you just bid on it. And in the Midwest recently, there was a person who bought one such storage unit for $1,000. Now, that seems like a lot of money to spend on a unit you kind of just eyeballed and was like, okay, I'm in, right? Put $1,000 in. When they went into the unit... And they began to kind of see what was there. They found, um, let me see how many. They found seven unopened boxes of sports cards. So seven unopened boxes of sports cards. They happen to be basketball cards. They happen to be from the year 1986. There you go. You got a basketball fan who knows. Which happens to be Michael Jordan's rookie year. If you don't know who Michael Jordan is, welcome to planet Earth. He's the greatest basketball player. I mean, I like LeBron, but there you go. Okay. So get this. So they find seven unopened boxes of that particular year. Now, each box on average contains four Michael Jordan rookie cards. So do the math. That's seven boxes, four cards each. That's 28 Michael Jordan rookie cards. A perfect condition Michael Jordan rookie card sells for $40,000 a pop. Yes. Seven boxes, four Michael Jordan cards each, so 28 Michael Jordan cards, $40,000 a piece. It's over a million dollars when you add that all up. Man, can you believe it? Like if you had been the person that put down the $1,000, you're like... Today is a good day. Wow. Now, as that story has made its way around the media, imagine if you weren't the person that put the thousand in, but you were the person that was like, I had wondered where those boxes of cards got left. I must have left them in that storage unit. Oh my goodness, I wasted this incredible treasure. Think about how disappointed you would be, how devastated you would be, how just dismayed you'd be like, oh my goodness, this is awful, if that was you, right? And so often, I think with, with spiritual gifts, we don't realize the treasure that we've been given. Because I would love to have a Michael Jordan rookie card. I would love to have a million dollars. I'm sure you would too. 
But at the end of the day, if you're a follower of Jesus, you believe the things of God are more valuable than all the money in the world. You believe the Holy Spirit, this is what it means to follow Jesus, you believe the Holy Spirit is more valuable than a whole lot of money in your bank account. And I hope you have a whole lot of money in your bank account, but I hope more for you that you know the treasure that is the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I find so often we may have an awareness of some gifts that we have. We may have some concepts. We may have done a test and kind of, okay, I got some ideas. And it ends up on a shelf or it ends up on a storage unit or it ends up somewhere back in our brain or on some email somewhere or in a journal that we had three years ago but we don't look at it anymore, and we just leave it there. And they just get dusty, and they're not used, and they sit dormant. And I believe God's heart is that his church, that his people, that you and me, that we would realize the treasure that we had and that we would take it and we would practice it and put it to use for God's glory, the good of others, and our joy. And so that's what we're going to be learning how to do. And if you'll turn your Bibles to 1 Peter 4.10. This is the Apostle Peter, one of the original disciples with Jesus, kind of from the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. And now he's writing to the church many years later. And he's talking to them about walking with Jesus and loving God and loving people. And he begins to speak to the church about how the people of the church, how she is to use her spiritual gifts, how she is to practice the power. And we're going to read that together, 1 Peter 4.10. And this is what Peter says. He said, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And so he's talking about spiritual gifts and using them, practicing the power in healthy ways, in ways where we serve others as stewards of God's grace. What I find interesting is that in almost each of the letters to the churches contained in the New Testament, that there is specific instruction on how to use our spiritual gifts, much like this. There is teaching. There is equipping. This was something that the apostles believed was important for God's people to grasp. It was important for us to know about the gifts that we have and how to use them in such a way uh, that brings glory to God. Throughout the epistles, you see reference after reference about this. It's so important. If you read through the book of Acts, I'm reading through the book of Acts kind of in my devotional time right now. It's an amazing book. And you see from beginning to end the gifts of the Holy Spirit at work amongst the people of God. The Holy Spirit's moving. People are practicing the power. They're using their gifts. And God's getting glory. People are getting helped, and they're experiencing great joy. But it doesn't start there. When you look into the life of Jesus, you may not know this, but you know that Jesus walked in spiritual gifts? You know that Jesus used spiritual gifts? Jesus is fully God and fully man. That's what the scriptures teach. 
But this is so important. Do you know that he did not begin his public ministry? He did not begin his, his miraculous healings. He didn't begin his powerful teaching. He didn't begin that aspect of his ministry until the Holy Spirit came upon him. Until he was clothed with the power of the Spirit. And this is so important. Jesus is our Savior. He, he's done things that, I mean, there's no one like him. And as a follower of Jesus, Jesus is also our example of what it looks like to walk with God. And if Jesus used the power of the Holy Spirit to walk in spiritual gifts to fulfill his ministry, I believe he did this as an example to all of us. Because you see, the Holy Spirit comes upon Jesus, and from that place, he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has appointed me to bring good news to the poor. And he goes out, and every, all of heaven breaks loose. When Jesus ascends to the Father, he tells his disciples, he says, I want you to wait, I want you to pray until... The Holy Spirit comes upon you. The power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then you're going to go out and you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And they wait and the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And then they go out in the power of God using spiritual gifts just like their teacher Jesus did. And then here in the epistles to the church, we see teaching after teaching about the church, the people of Jesus in our generation, walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, using our gifts, practicing the power in the same way that our master Jesus did, in the same way that the early church did, we've been commissioned with the same thing. And Peter here is writing, talking to the church about using that power and using those gifts. And I want to take you into this. actually a very simple teaching to understand. But it's one of those that you have to walk out to really get the meat of the teaching. Uh, as, as one teacher said, the meat here is not in what you're going to learn from me today. The meat is on the street. Meaning the meat happens when you take this and you begin to do something with it. And you'll be like, oh my goodness, this is absolutely Amazing, it's life-changing, okay? So simple ideas. Number one, it says each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. So there's a foundational idea here that each of us in Christ has spiritual gifts. You have at least one. You might have more than one, but each of us has gifts because he's saying each of you use what you've received. So now in school, you may not have been in the gifted program. You may have been jealous of the kids in the gifted program, right? What I want you to know is that in Christ, all of us are in the gifted and talented program. So turn to your neighbor and just say, you're gifted. Turn to your other neighbor that maybe you thought was less gifted and tell them they're gifted too because they are. <laughs> say to yourself, I'm gifted, right? I'm speaking to the gifted and talented class because you're in Christ, which means you're in the Holy Spirit, which means you have gifts according to God's word. Now think about, just contrast with me if you will. Imagine a church that realizes that she has been given spiritual gifts. 
that each one of us realizes God has put gifts in our lives. Imagine that church. And then imagine a church that does not believe that, does not realize that. One, you would say, man, this is a strong and vibrant church. The other, you would say, man, I I feel like something could could be kicked into gear here. And when the church realizes this, not just in the Bible, but in our day, remarkable things happen. I was reading uh, the news, and I came across this article uh, from the San Francisco Chronicle about a particular church and the impact that it was making in their region. Now, for those of you that don't know, San Francisco would not be what anyone would describe as the buckle of the Bible belt, right? Whatever the opposite of the buckle is, that would be San Francisco. Like, not a place where, you know, there's just Jesus being proclaimed on every corner. And yet, here in the San Francisco Chronicle, the newspaper is publishing an article about a particular church, actually uh, 300 miles to their north, and the way that they were making an impact. And they're talking about a church in Redding, California called Bethel. We've sung some of their music. You might be familiar with them. Uh, but the, the, the newspaper was writing about them. That's amazing. And what they were saying in the article, they said that there was no other institution public, private, no other institution that had impacted and loved their community like Bethel Church had done. What? That's amazing. And they went on to describe the way that that love had been felt. Some of the things that Bethel had done, they realized that the the center of the city where they had theater and and that productions and that sort of thing uh, was going under. They didn't have enough money to fund it. So Bethel encouraged people to start a nonprofit to raise money to fund this theater for the whole community. That's amazing. There were four policemen uh, that were getting cut from the payroll because the city didn't have enough money to pay them. So Bethel said, hey, we'll step up and we'll pay their salaries because we believe the work they're doing is important. Are you getting that? This is the other thing, that the car fires that spread through Northern California. Bethel said to every family whose house was impacted by the fire, whether you go to our church or not, we want to give you $1,000 cash to help you, whether you're a member of the church or not. So the San, the San Francisco article, now y'all got to get a little middle school with me there, because that right there, what I just said, was worth like more than, huh. That's amazing. That's absolutely amazing, right? And so the article is trying to dig into what's going on here. And they said, you know, most, most efforts, community involvement, it's very coordinated, it's very planned. They said, it's not so with them. It's very grassroots, and it's organic. And they said it boils down to, actually the mayor of the city was talking about uh, the church, and, what it, and I'm going to paraphrase what she said. It boils down to the church saying, hey, God loves you. The Holy Spirit has given you gifts. Go put those gifts to work to love somebody. And they're like, that is the message. And so what's lived out is people just taking, whether it's starting a business or a nonprofit or raising money to pay for policemen or giving money to to people whose houses are burned by fire or foster care or kids ministry or worship or whatever it is, it's just people taking the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given them, like this passage said, and just living them out in such a way that a lost and dying world on the newspaper is saying there is no other group of people in our state that loves people like these people do. That's amazing. That's awesome. 
So here Peter is saying, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. And this is the second part that's so important to see, is that we're called to use our gifts. So not only do we have gifts, but the Word of God is instructing us for us to practice the power in such a way that it brings God glory it brings good to others, and it brings joy to us. We've got to put our gifts to work. We've got to use our gifts. So we're called not to leave our gifts dormant somewhere in a storage unit collecting dust. We're not just to kind of talk about what they are, but we're just to step out and use them, to put them to work for God's purposes. So just to review again the reason why we are doing this spiritual growth initiative this year around spiritual gifts and serving. It's because we're trying to live out this passage of Scripture. And we're trying to create a culture and an environment where each person learns about their spiritual gifts. Each person is encouraged to use their spiritual gifts and then equipped with an opportunity to do so. And for us, that's our serve teams. So I just want to make a plug again for serving, because when you're serving, what you're doing is you're living out this passage of Scripture. You're taking the gifts that God's given you, and you're saying, I'm going to use them to serve somebody else. So if you're not serving, I'm trying to build a positive peer pressure culture to encourage you to serve. And if you are serving, I'm encouraging you to do it with zeal, myself included, for the glory of God, to live out this passage of Scripture. Okay, and then he says, you need to use your gifts to serve others. It's common in our world to talk about gifts and strengths and talents. That's amazing. And the common teaching is that you need to use your gifts, use your passions, use your strengths to serve yourself, to do what builds you up, to make a way for you, to do what will take care of you. But as followers of Jesus, we believe Jesus has taken an upside-down world and turned it right-side up again, and Jesus gives us the example and teaches us our gifts are not about making a way primarily for us. We are blessed through our gifts, but our gifts are primarily about serving others. So this hits at the heart of the motivation. We use our spiritual gifts not so that I can feel fulfilled, feel fulfilled. Not so that you can feel a sense of fulfillment. I hope you have those things, but that's not our primary motivation. Our primary motivation in using our gifts is to love people well. In fact, most of the time when the New Testament is talking about spiritual gifts, it comes in the context of a larger discourse on loving people well. So our gifts, when we use them to serve, it gets the motive in the right place where we're using them as a way to love God and to love people. So we need to realize we have gifts. We need to use our gifts, and we need to use them to serve each other, serve others. And then I love this last phrase. As faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So the idea of a steward is someone who is entrusted with the property and resources of another of a master. A master would own a big estate, would own land, would own resource, and he would put a steward in charge of it. And the steward was to use the resources of the house and the land in accordance with the master's purposes. And here, Peter is saying that we're to see our spiritual gifts as stewardships that God has given us. 
And we're to steward them in accordance with the master's purposes. So it's not just enough for me to say, hey, I've got some gifts, I'm going to use them. I'm going to use them to serve others. But I actually, it has to come out of relationship with God. Because I have to know his desire. I have to know his plan. I have to know, I have to have a relationship with him to be able to steward what he's given me in accordance with his purposes as good stewards. Now, think back to the, the, the storage unit that we started with. It would be very disappointing if you were the one who had left those basketball cards in the storage unit. I think it would be even more troubling if you had entrusted those cards to a steward who then had left them in the storage unit. Like, I think you're, 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 oh, would be double, right? Because you're like, oh, my goodness. And I believe that the Lord wants us to realize, not from a place of feeling condemned and feeling heavy, but to realize the opportunity that we've been given to steward God's grace as the people of God and to do it in such a way that it brings him joy, where he's looking at us, he's like, man, you are stewarding those gifts in accordance with my purposes. This is awesome, right? This is how we start to practice the power and to put the power of God to work in healthy ways in our midst and in our city. Over the coming weeks, we're going to continue kind of building on this, learning simple principles about practicing the power of God together, practicing our spiritual gifts together. And again, the power here is not necessarily in the information that you learned, but the power is as we take this and we go to God and we begin to walk it out in greater ways together that we'll see fruit come out of these words from the Lord. So I want to invite you to stand as we close. Next week, uh, you're going to hear from Ellen Schaub, our children's pastor, and she's going to be talking about the power of the gospel. And if you have not heard her do this teaching, you want to make sure that you're here. It's going to be amazing, and we're all going to get equipped and envisioned. But for today, I want to lead us as we close in going to God together. And the way we're going to do that is we're going to take communion together. So like we do each Sunday, the officiants are going to come forward here in a moment. They will have the bread and the cup. And as the worship team leads us, you can come forward and take of the bread, take of the cup, return to your seat. And as you take communion and remember the gift of grace that Jesus has given you, go to God with what he's speaking to you today through his word and through our time together. Before we do that, I realize that there are people with us each and every week where you're like, I am new to this whole church thing. I'm new to Jesus, or maybe I did this when I was a kid, and it's been a long time. And we're talking about spiritual gifts, and, and you're just like, I, I, just, I just need to know Jesus. Like, I just I need to get the, the beginning of the beginning squared away. And I don't want to let us kind of just go on from here without just taking a moment to acknowledge you. And as a church family, we're so honored that you're here. We hope that you've experienced the love of God through us today. And we want to take just a moment to share with you the message of Jesus because we believe it is the best news ever. And it's simply this, is, is that when we see Jesus, we see God with skin on. And Jesus taught us the way to live life. He came and he died for our sins. He rose again on the third day. And he opens up for us a way to life. Life as it was meant to be lived. 
The world that you see around us with all the pain and the heartbreak is not the world that God intended, but it is here because mankind turned from God. God created the world perfect as a place for people to flourish, to be in relationship with him and relationship with others. But mankind, we turn from God. We said we want to take things into our own hands, and that's what the Bible calls sin. And as we made that choice, we took on a weight of responsibility that we were never designed for. And as we took things into our own hands, things went very, very badly. And that's what you see in the world around us. But because God loved us so much, he came in Jesus, motivated out of love, to die on the cross, to take the weight and the pain of our sin and to bring forgiveness and to rise again on the third day to give us new life and to give new life to whosoever would call on his name. And many people in Dallas are familiar with the idea of Jesus or the story of Jesus, but there's a thing that we need to do in order to receive the good news of Jesus and to receive this gift of life that he has for us. We have to repent from going our own way And we have to put our trust in following him. Following Jesus is not about knowing all the information, memorizing 25 Bible verses, or having perfect attendance. It is putting your trust in a person. And saying, Jesus, I don't want to be the Lord of my own life. I want to follow you. I believe that you are Lord. And I want to walk in your way. And when you make that transition, when you make that shift, powerful things happen. The Bible describes it as new birth. And I want to give you the opportunity, if that's you, if you're here today and you've never made Jesus Lord, you've never received that free gift, I want to give you the opportunity to do that here in just a moment. The way we're going to do that is I'm going to give you, have everyone close their eyes and bow their heads and give you an opportunity to raise your hand. If you're here today and you grew up in church and maybe you fell away and you're trying to make your way back to God and you're here today and you want to recommit your life to Christ, I want you to know that God is not waiting for you to get cleaned up to come to him, but he is running down the road looking for you, wanting to bring you in. And so if you want to make a decision to follow Jesus, make Jesus Lord for the first time, or recommit your life to Christ, I want to invite you to respond. So if everyone could bow their heads and close their eyes for a moment. If that's you, I'm going to invite you to raise your hand, and we're not going to call you up on stage or have people turn around and look at you. We want this to be a moment between you and God. But if that's you, there's something powerful about taking a step of faith, taking an action with that. And so if that's you, I want to invite you to raise your hand because I want to pray with you. Praise God, I want to lead us in a prayer. And if your hand was raised, we're going to say a prayer together. The words are not as important as the heart. And so if you mess up a little bit, just know that God sees your heart and he sees what you're trying to say. And that encourages all of us to pray this together. Jesus, you're awesome. Jesus, you're amazing. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you died on the cross for my sin. Thank you that you rose again on the third day to give me life. I choose to follow you this day 
and every day forward. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, if the officials can come forward, we're going to take communion when you are ready. Desires and dreams I live. 